I am absolutely loving this music. Apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and think is to believe every single Friday night or Saturday morning, depending on how you look at it. I guess technically it's the, th- oh my gosh, it's July 3rd. It's July. I had so much that I was supposed to get done before July. <laughs> Dude. It just didn't happen. It's practically Christmas. It's like, I mean, seriously, Christmas, I just I just moved, so I put all my Christmas decorations away again. They're coming right back out. I'm going to have to get them out. This is un- this is unacceptable because October comes and what's in October? Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. You don't celebrate Halloween, do you? No, Reformation Day in my house. I dress up like Martin Luther and then uh, make my kids recite the ninety five thesis verbatim. I can I'm just the picture in my and then mind. Then I punish is... them when they get one. No, <laughs> you know we go out and trick or treat and have some fun. <laughs> we you know riot and join the the mob. With everybody else. Burn the Pope in effigy. Burn the Pope Yeah, oh my goodness. That's Eric. Eric Horn, ladies and gentlemen. Look him up online. Facebook, Twitter. Oh, you're Twitter now. I'm Twitter. You're Twitter. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing Facebook anymore. Yeah. And in studio here, too, is also uh, Joel. Man, it's been like... Me. You're still alive. <laughs> it's amazing. I know you're alive because we email every once in a while and, and send texts and stuff. That's true. But it's so good to see you. Good to be seen. You're like unbelievable. I mean, this is amazing. I feel super special tonight because we've got a, a like a full studio, and it's so great. And I hope our listeners are going to appreciate the show too. Um, if you are listening, uh, my name's John. I'm the host this evening. I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunate, but uh, I'm I'm feeling good tonight, guys. I got to tell you, right right before I wasn't feeling good. I was feeling kind of sleepy, but then that music kicked in. Yeah, I was going to say I, I'm I'm kind of bummed. I got a haircut. And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't like, <laughs> like couldn't do the move. Do the do the, like make the flow flow. No, no. Yeah, yeah, dude. You have beautiful hair. Thank you. It's amazing. So do you? And the beard. I wish I had hair. No hair for me. I haven't had hair hair in years and years and years. When I met Rihanna, she wanted me to shave my head, like right away. And I was like, no way, dude. I'm shaving my head. And now I wish I listened to her because I looked like an idiot with like a really huge forehead. And, you had a mullet, didn't you? Dude, I did. <laughs> Not like not like a super hockey mullet, but like I just never cut my hair because well, so so uh, for those of you listening in, um, you know I haven't always been this way before. Uh, before I was a, a Christian apologist with Stan, the reason before I was a pastor, I worked at a law firm. So well, law firms in uh, plural. I've worked at three law firms, I think, in my life, and the, my first law firm that I came out to California for uh, had no dress requirements. I mean, literally, I wore a shirt shorts, flip-flops, and a hat every single day. So I never cut my hair. And so the cases I worked on, I worked at a, a large firm downtown, and we were the, the, my main two cases were class action lawsuits. So like there was no chance I was going to court, ever. So it's like I, I just went, I just didn't care what I looked like for, as far as my professional appearance. So I never cut my hair. And uh, those were glory days. Can't get back there. I'm glad because they weren't that glorious, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, uh, but anyways. Did you say you walked away from your hair? I walked away from my hair. I did. Just as, just as certain people walk away from their faith, which is such a great segue, Eric. I knew there's a reason why we have you. You're amazing. Good night, folks. I'm done. Yeah, not only are you beautiful, but you're just, you just add so much to the show. Yeah, that's right, folks. You heard it right here. We're going to be talking about these deconstruction stories. If you don't know what I mean by deconstruction, it's super simple. It's, uh, it's, it's the, there's been this popular trend of, of, 
recent of late where um, men and women have, who have kind of grown up in the church, they're, they've been public Christians, public figures of some uh, kind, whether it be musicians or internet personalities or YouTubers or authors or pastors, uh, they, they follow Christ, they say they're Christian, and then through a series of events, uh, they deconstruct, I'm saying that in quotes, uh, they deconstruct their faith and um, and say they're no longer following, at least at the minimum, they're no longer following a traditional Jesus, traditional Christianity. They'd say they're ex-angelical, ex, ex, ex-angelicals. Ex-angelicals is what they're calling themselves. So they're ex-evangelicals. And um, at, at worst, they just completely uh, walk away and they become agnostic or atheists. Um, which is really, really interesting, and we're going to get into some of that. But before we do, I, I, I just, I really do want to say thank you to all of you guys listening, because uh, you guys make this show possible every single week. You guys make this show possible by your generous and kind donations. I want to make it clear that every penny that's given to us uh, from from you, our listeners, uh, goes towards the show. None of us here uh, take a salary. At least I don't think. I mean, imagine if like you guys are getting paid and I'm not. Like it's just a big secret. We'd never tell you. You'd never tell me. I understand. No, I know that for a fact because I know these two guys and their their love for Christ motivates them. And same here. We just want to we just want to share uh, what we have with with you guys and and have you share with us. So thank you for donating. If uh, if you do want to make a tax deductible donation, I know that we sure would appreciate that. And you can go to apologetics dot com and click on the donate banner to do that. And then there's uh, you can donate on a, through our secure website, or you can even mail us a check. And the PO box and everything is right there for you. Uh, with that, also we want to hear from you. We don't want to just be talking heads. We'd love to hear from you. So if you got any any questions about what we're talking about tonight, certainly, but also anything in the area really in religion, apologetics, philosophy. Um, and any of that, uh, feel free uh, to give us a call, 888-995-KKLA. So that number is 888-995-5552. And, uh, and I'd love to talk to you and, uh, and see where you're at and, and uh, listen, to, listen to kind of what the story is that God has, uh, has placed you in. And, and I can share the story that God has placed me in, too. And uh, with that, I'd love to try to jump into our topics here. Or our topic this evening, at least for uh, deconstruction, and you know, uh, some some of the people have been asking us, asking me, I guess, is like, should should we be even be concerned about these deconversion stories or deconstructions? Number one, I, I don't really like the term deconstruction. Uh, deconversion might be a little bit better, but deconstruction, I think, is kind of confusing. We can confuse it with uh, postmodern movement, you know, um, of deconstructionism, you know, I, I, I believe like Jacques Derrida and, and other uh, philosophers. So deconversion or people kind of just uh, rethinking their faith and walking away ultimately, you know, and I, and I think it, uh, it should concern us. And when I say that, I don't, I want to draw out a distinction here. It should concern us, but not worry us. We should be concerned, but not worried because God is sovereign and God is good. So everything that I'm going to say tonight, at least, is couched in a, in a larger worldview. And I think that this is important to understand that my worldview uh, is, is a Christian worldview and it has room in it for a God that is uh, completely sovereign, that is always good, who uh, loves us not out of necessity but desire, who has uh, gone through great extents to save us and 
um, uh, the, the theological component of this conversation, which I'm not sure we're going to get into tonight, is that uh, that that he doesn't let anybody go. You know, uh, God will never leave you or forsake you, is what the scripture says. Never, never. He doesn't do that. There's nothing that you can do to be separate or separate yourself from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, is what is what uh, scriptures say. So, anyways, it's all couched in this sovereign of uh, sovereignty of God and a good God. And um, but why I say it should concern us is because I think that these deconstruction stories. Have, uh, have 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 an impact on our culture, and then they actually especially have an impact on our youth. Uh, a lot of the the stuff that I do at Stand to Reason, and a lot of stuff that I do while I'm out speaking, uh, kind of around the country and stuff, is is oftentimes in front of a large youth audience. Um, just recently, I, I I gave a a presentation or a talk. I did an atheist role play at at a major high school, uh, right by my house, actually a major Christian high school. And uh, a lot of those kids afterwards, it was interesting. I went out with a, a group of maybe 15 students after and a, and a teacher and her family after for dinner. And I was talking to them. And a lot of them, they, while they go to a Christian school, they aren't Christian. And when I was talking to them about their their stories, a lot of them were affected by these deconversion stories. People like Rhett and Link, they're huge YouTube personalities. They're, they're sometimes considered like the first mega like YouTube stars. They've been around forever. Uh, for, former, you know, uh, oh man, what's that campus? Campus Crusade, but now they're not Campus Crusade. Campus Crusade for Christ. Is that yeah, right? but it's like. I remember, I remember they did change the name. I can't remember. What yeah, they changed their name. Uh, that I should know that, but I don't. But so they were like leaders in that group. Uh, you know, they were missionaries. They they they've done a lot of great work uh, as Christians. They were youth pastors and stuff. I think, and eventually they they now deconstructed. They deconverted. Both of them did. Um, but this, this stuff affects our youth for, for a number of reasons. And we can talk about that, uh, maybe if we want to get into it, but you know, one of the things that I, I say, the reason why it affects people so much is like, guys, when we were growing up, so I watched, uh, the TV shows that I recollect are like TGI Friday shows. So like family matters with like Steve Urkel, uh, Chia's, you know, Sam Mayday Malone and Diane Chambers, uh, mash with Hawkeye and and uh uh all those all those characters right radar like great great shows these are these are fun shows um but when you're watching them you you invest yourself there's a there's a few things i always want to draw out draw out here when you watch these things you invest yourself in a half hour in in front of the television uh you have to wait for a week to see the next episode you know you get related to the characters uh but you know that they're characters like you know alan alda is is not really hawkeye you know, you know, Steve Urkel is, is a creation of a writer, and you know these these people don't really exist. Well, nowadays, uh, at least my kids, they a lot of the entertainment comes from YouTube. You know, my my oldest, she's eleven, she watches YouTube stuff. I mean, we monitor it pretty closely, but so so she watches like uh, this show, J House Rules. It's like this. It's it, it's like a family. It's just uh, I actually think they're Mormon. Like it's a it's a family who's just doing life, you know, a homeschool family. They got four kids. They they cook. They clean. They do chores. They have fun. It's just it's like watching real life. But the the interesting thing is is it's portrayed as these aren't characters. This is real life. So there's a semblance. There's a a relatability there. That isn't there in the other shows. There's a realness and authenticity, authenticity that's there, and so there's a different type of connection that that I think the youth have with these YouTube people. Um, it's also you can just sit there and binge. Yep. I mean, you're not waiting for for the next week 
So, so you know, uh, you, you, every season used to have, what, like 10 or 12 episodes. Right. And then it was reruns. And you never watched the reruns anyway when you were a kid. I didn't. Like, you know, summertime comes and you're not watching TV at night anymore. You're out playing, you know. But now it's like you can go online and watch, I mean, 100 hours a week of content if you want. And so it's affecting our minds. It's affecting the way that we relate to these shows. So anyways, when these kids are following these personalities, like Abraham Piper is another one. He's the son of John Piper, the famous preacher and pastor of Bethlehem Church in Minnesota. Um, he, he deconverted. Uh, is, and he does all these uh, these TikTok videos. Not, not all these. He has the TikTok videos. And some of them he uh, uses his time to, to talk about deconstruction and deconversion. But um, but these things are, are are affecting our our youth because they're relating to the to the digital content in different ways than than you or I would. You know, when I watch YouTube stuff, it's it's uh, honestly I don't have the attention for it. You know, it's like I don't I, I the way I say it to, to my family is I've got enough drama in real life. I don't need to watch somebody else's drama. <laughs> like 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 if I want if I want to you know enter into drama, all I need to do is wake up in the morning, and I've got four daughters. Mm-hmm. and a wife and they're incredible and but but we're in that stage we have we've got from four years old to 11 years old and it's just i mean it's madness in my house so i don't need to be spending my time watching youtube i just don't relate to them um and then the, the, so so i think that we should be concerned you know with uh with what's happening in these deconversion stories uh, but i also think that we should be careful how we react um because and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna kind of be blunt you know, I, I've watched a lot of response videos on these things, and sometimes I'm a little disappointed, to be honest with you. Even with some of my peers as, as Christian apologists, we get, uh, I think, really caught up in ourselves a little bit, um, and, I, uh, and maybe in the arguments. So uh, it's easy to kind of lose what's actually happening here. And what's happening here is there's a, a human being who's an immortal soul uh, wrestling with the most important thing that they will ever wrestle with. And that is their ideas of who God is. And I, I just, I got to tell you, like, uh, so, so Paul in, in Romans nine, okay. Um, Paul in Romans nine expresses incredible heartbreak over the, the, the Jewish unbelief. And he says this, he says, I'm, I'm speaking the truth in, in, in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness to the Holy, in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I, could, for, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And you see Paul here, it's in a larger context. He's distressed over that Jewish unbelief. And, and, and um, we, we got to understand here in that context that the Jews are, are God's chosen people, you know, um, and... and if we fast forward uh, later on, the next verse, verses four and five, say that there that's the Jews who belong to the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worshiping, the promises, the the patriarchs, and uh, and and from their race, the Christ, who's given, who, who's God, who God, who is God overall, blessed forever, is what he says. So he's saying, he, he's lamenting the the fact that his brothers, uh, his Jewish brothers, are are rejecting Jesus, who is himself. A Jew sent from God to be their Messiah that they've been waiting for for thousand for a thousand years, you know, and they're rejecting that. And then I see these deconversions, and I'm kind of relating Paul's words to that, and it's breaking my heart um, because these are real people. 
And behind every struggle, behind every question is, is, is a person. And I think that we need to keep that in mind, especially when we're making video content, when we're making uh, content like this, a radio show, or um, if we're doing podcasts or something that's going to be seen by hundreds or thousands of people, maybe. Are we being good ambassadors of Christ? Are we putting on Christ's heart uh, for these people when we're responding? To them? Yeah. You know what? Rhett and Link, uh, Abraham Piper, uh, the guy from um, DC Talks. You know, all of these people, John Steingard, like he's another one, um, these famous people who are uh, deconverting, they're, they're losing their faith or, or whatnot in quotes, losing their faith. I think their arguments are weak. I think what they're saying doesn't, it doesn't necessarily hold true. You know, they, a lot of the times, and we're going to get into this maybe, but a lot of times they, um, they start with, you know, questioning the authenticity or the historical reliability of the scriptures. I think that we have great evidence for the historical reliability, especially of the New Testament and specifically of the Gospels. I think we can know that their actual history and the things that are reported in them happened, uh, especially Jesus' resurrection. But, um, but I got to remember that even in that argument, there's something going on there with a real person who has an eternal destiny. And I'm just wondering if we're letting that break our hearts. Um, and, and, and when I read these things, I got to be honest, guys, I, I kind of become undone because, um, because my own lack of sensitivity or my lack of anguish over the potential loss of these people are, are uh, that uh, what the, I guess what I'm saying is that the potential loss that these people are experiencing, um, or are going to experience is something that should affect me more than it does. I think, because like I am so sold out and in love with Jesus. Um, I, I, I can't even put into words what he means to me in my life. I can't even like fully express in, in an hour or two hours or three hours or five hours, what he's done on my behalf, unmerited favor, grace upon grace, upon grace in my life, I can't countenance what it would be like to live without him now. And that really breaks my heart that there are people that have at least expressed the idea that they've, they've experienced this and are now saying, no, 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 no. That was all a misunderstanding. That was all something else. It wasn't an authentic Relationship. It wasn't something that happened with a real God. And that just breaks my heart. And then um, on the flip side, I also, I wonder if these people uh, actually know what it is that they're saying they're leaving. You know, have, have they actually tried true Christianity is, is my question. And I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. I'm not trying to do that to be a jerk. I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, I wonder if they've actually experienced and not in a subjective way either. I guess there's a subjective component, but have they actually tried true Christianity, you know, and and not the, um, you know, because when I listen to these guys talk, especially Rhett of Rhett and Link, it's, I get the feeling that he's, he tried the, the, you know, the, the Americanized, politicized, you know, uh, cultural Christianity, you know, like, or progressive even like Christianity. That's not the Christianity I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a, uh, a Christianity that picks and chooses what to believe while it also, while, while pushing social justice out there, while also rejecting, you know, God's ultimate justice found in the cross of Christ. You know, I'm talking about a Christianity um, that doesn't, that doesn't fit into really any of our political schemes or systems. You know, I'm talking uh, about a Christianity that, that pushes, uh, pushes you to, 
to, um, I guess, to conform not to any molds of, of a political nature or a social nature, but a, but a mold that looks like Jesus. Uh, Christianity that's pushing you into Christ's likeness. That's what I'm talking about. This is, um, and and this is a Christianity that I think. Then that's maybe why I can't imagine losing what I have because it's constantly pushing me uh, to morph and change, and I think to be a better person ultimately, but also uh, to look more like God. You know, it, uh, it's and and I, I want to say out front too, and this is where I kind of will open it up. I've been going on and on now, but like. Um, the Christianity that I'm talking about isn't um, isn't one that that ignores intellectual uh, investigation. You know, this is this is a Christianity that invites intellectual wrestling. You know, the scriptures tell us to hold to test all things, holding fast to that which is true. You know, this is especially true as we try to understand and, and wrap our minds around an, an infinite triune God whose existence in, in, and work uh, in the world will, will always carry with it at least some sense of mystery. Like, not, I, can't ex, I can't explain everything to you about God, um, but I can explain an awful lot. And the things that I know uh, don't seem to comport with the things that these guys say that they're leaving. And I don't know if you guys have the same experiences that I have with watching. I've watched probably a hundred hours of these videos now, um, which is, yeah, Joel. Oh, I haven't watched uh, very much of that, but I have, I, I have a deconversion story of my own and I don't, uh, I'm not familiar with enough of them to, to see how much it overlaps with them. But I do, I have heard enough of them that, that I, there are recurrent themes and I, I think that I think it has a lot to do with the just the story of, say, disappointment mm. with their experience in whatever church setting that they have been in, and and how that intersects with these questions that um, may never have been answered in a way that was meaningful to them, and that's a, that's a hard thing because a, a lot of times. In church settings, people don't feel like they're encouraged to explore those questions. And that leaves sort of this kind of, uh, I don't know, like a intellectual debt of some kind that sometimes uh, the payment comes due. And it comes due at a time <clears throat> when people are at a crisis. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. That's so good, Joel. Like, I loved what that, like, you, so, so there's, um, there's a disappointment that's added to an intellectual crisis or something, not crisis, but intellectual uh, issues that have never been answered. Mm -hmm. And those things come together and oftentimes uh, find their, I guess, culmination during somebody's, uh, a crisis in their life. And that results in them not necessarily even pursuing the intellectual things, not like, but, uh, just kind of tossing it all out the window and saying, you know what, I'm going to start over here because this ain't working. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is that what you're saying? Something like that, yeah. I think that that's amazing. So people are told, you need to believe X, Y, and Z. Mm. They say, okay, I'll, I'll believe X, Y, and Z. And then something happens and they start, they, they question X, Y, and Z and they don't get a satisfactory answer. And they go, well, if all of my base, if I based everything on X, Y, and Z and I can't answer that now, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think if if I could get some of these guys in the room with me, 
I would love to ask him. There's two. There's there's really two questions that I'd love to ask them up front. And then there's some follow ups. But I'd like to ask him what is it that you're leaving. Um, I'd want I want to know what they're leaving, and then I'd ask him what's replacing it, because nature abhors a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has a worldview, whether you believe it or not. Um, worldviews. Everybody has a worldview. So if you're leaving the Christian worldview. What worldview is is placing it in? If you have these issues, uh, s- certain issues, everything deal, every worldview deals with problem of evil. Well, now what's your solution? You know, because if you're leaving it for atheism, if you're leaving Christianity for atheism, I don't, I don't think that's a satis- I don't, I don't find a satisfying answer. I know that because I was an atheist, and my my answers to the problem of evil were actually problems for me, not answers. <laughs> You know, so. Um, but that's really not what you want to ask the person when they come to you and say, "I'm leaving the church." Well, I, I think that I'd like to ask him, "What do you What do you mean?" I, I'd ask yeah. him, "Like, what do you mean you're leaving what's the church? On? Like, what's that mean? Right. Like, what are you leaving?" One of the things that I've I've found wanting and lacking, and and Joel, maybe you might be the way in after the break on on your personal experience with this, but I found like kind of lacking is a clarification of the gospel and what that means, mm-hmm. you know, because because when I hear these guys saying I'm leaving Christianity. Uh, I'm leaving the church. I'm leaving something. What it is is I hear a justification there. The, like, what does it mean to be Christian? I hear them say, I did X, Y, and Z. Therefore, I was a Christian. I, I, I went to YWAM. I started a small group network. I was a pastor. I, you know, evangelized uh, at Newport Beach. I did X, Y, and Z. I used to preach. I used to do this. Never has there been... I came to a realization of who I was, who God is, and what he's done for me. Like, you never has there been a, I came to the realization that I am a, a wretch of a human being. And God bestowed his infinite grace on me, ripped me out of my mess and into his marvelous light. And never has anybody, and I don't know if they know that or if it's not intentional. I'm not saying it's it's bad. I just say I've never heard that before. So I'd like that clarification. What exactly is it that you're leaving? Because it sounds to me like you're leaving a bunch of works. And uh, I don't know. Anyways, hey, if you're listening, this is Apologetics.com Radio. I've got Joel in studio. I've got Eric in studio. And we're going to be back in, I don't know, like 60 seconds, 90 seconds. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. This is John MacArthur inviting you to join me for Portraits of Grace. 
Unregenerate people are totally depraved, dead in their trespasses, enslaved to sin, cursed to eternal damnation, unable to help themselves, and in desperate need of mercy and compassion. That's quite a plight. And that's where the good news of the gospel meets them. God loves them in that condition and extends mercy to anyone willing to trust in Him. Mercy tempers God's justice. That God permits us to live at all speaks volumes of His mercy. Well, Lamentation says, It is because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. What a promise. This is John MacArthur trusting your lives are portraits of grace. I'm not usually one to give prescriptions, but here's one that I can easily guarantee. Hi, I'm Chuck Swindoll. If you should choose to meditate, really concentrate on God's grace, it will transform your life. You will not be the same. Your attitudes will change from negative to positive. Your relationships with people will change from suspicious and intolerant to affirming and even understanding. I'm prepared to say today that your feelings toward the Lord himself will be changed. You'll begin to enjoy the Lord as some of you have never enjoyed him in your entire Christian life. Meditating on Grace. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. (laughs) What's going on, guys? I was just made aware. Hey, if you're listening, this is Apologetics.com radio. We challenge believers to think and think is to believe. And I was just made aware that actually there was a problem with the telecom line. So if you've been listening for the last half hour, you probably only got 20 minutes of content, which... It's a bummer because I like pretty much solved every problem in the entire world. It was really good. I mean, the first 10 minutes of this show, yeah. I remember they were epic. The meaning of life. Yeah, dropping wisdom. <laughs> I can't believe you did that in like 10 words. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. And in the, in the scripture I was reciting from memory, and it was unreal. You were actually glowing. Was I? Yeah. I felt like it. I felt like it. So anyways, if you're listening, and <laughs> Joel's cracking up, and um, and if, you, if you're listening... And uh, and you want to hear the first ten minutes of uh, of wisdom being dropped? Uh, you're gonna have to listen to the podcast or go to apologetics.com. And that's not even positive because I still have to write a description for Harry to get it up, and that happens maybe three times a year. So let's go for the annals. I mean, God has a plan. What actually part of what I said is God is sovereign and He's good. So actually what happened is maybe he was saving you, our listeners, from hearing me babble and ramble about uh, men and women who have deconstructed or deconverted from the Christian faith. And um, if you are listening, I'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments that you might have at 888-995-KKLA. That's 888-995-5552. And actually, it's one of you, our amazing listeners, that called and said you couldn't hear anything. So we owe you a deep, gre- deep, gre- deep debt of gratitude. Debt of gratitude. Um, we know what you mean. 
Yeah, thanks. Oh my goodness me. Uh, and, uh, but thank you so much for calling us and, and letting us know that you were here in nothing because otherwise, uh, well, we would just be sitting here talking to ourselves. Oh, that's great. At least she was, she's used to hearing something. Yes, this is, yes, something. Yes, good. Yes, absolutely. We'll sat there. Um, but anyways, we've been talking about the, the, the term is deconstruction. We don't like the term because it, 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 just because there's confusion there. There can be confusion with other philosophical issues having to do with postmodernism. But, um, um, so deconversion and what that means is that, that men and women, it seems like a popular trend right now, especially on social media, you know, you've got uh, Twitter, TikTok and, uh, Facebook and YouTube. These people are coming out. They've lived Christian lives, um, done a lot that they would say defines their Christian faith. And, uh, and now years later, some of them at, at, at the peaks of their career, even musicians, YouTubers and stuff are coming out and saying, yeah, I no longer believe, uh, you know, at least uh, con- uh, traditional conservative Christian beliefs. Um, they're kind of throwing that off. Ex-angelical is the term. So ex-evangelicals, you know, and kind of wearing as a badge of honor and um, wrestling with stuff. And I just brought out the fact, and I don't want to do everything again, but I just wanted to bring out the fact that there's people here that are wrestling. And the stuff that they're wrestling with is the most important stuff that they'll ever believe. Ever. It's the most important thing. Uh, uh, Tozer says, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> Tozer says that, that, that what you believe about God is the most important thing about a person. It's the most important thing about a person. And it is from an eternal perspective. And these people are, are wrestling. So um, anyways. But don't we all? Yeah. You know what? We, we, that's we a good. Do. We all wrestle. Yeah. I, I, I wrestle. I, I wrestle. Jacob um, wrestles. I mean, Jacob wrestled, wrestled. I mean, I, I mean, if, if I think actually, if I wrestled like Jacob, I probably wouldn't wrestle as much, right? Because because at least he wrestled with God. You know, I mean, we're wrestling with God in a spiritual and intellectual way, maybe some of us in an emotional way, but not like Jacob. I mean, Jacob walked away with a limp. But uh, but yeah, we all wrestle, and I think that's a that's a really good point, Eric. Like. Oh, man, in the church, like a, a lot of this seems to me like when we kind of, I think we kind of talked. Joel brought this up. Like, there's these 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 doubts, these intellectual doubts and stuff that happen in in in, in people when they're growing up, and they're just never addressed, or they or, or they're addressed really really poorly when you go to your pastor and you say, "Hey, uh, this Trinity thing's really hard. Like, can you explain it to me? Oh, just just believe. You need faith or." You know, how can I really know that that the scriptures are, you know, historically reliable? Because I hear this really guy, this really smart guy out of UNC Chapel Hill, Bart Ehrman, saying that there's there's 136,000 words in the New Testament, and there's uh, there's 300 to 400,000 variants in the New Testament. How do I deal with that? Oh, well, pray more. You know, it's like, well, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, pray through your, your wrestling, but also like there's, there's, there's really good questions to be asked. There's really good answers, but there's really good questions. And I think as, as oftentimes as Christians, we're not welcome to doubt. Mm-hmm. We've kind of, we've kind of conflated doubt with unbelief or we're told to like kind of shelve our doubts. Well, you're not going to shelve your doubts forever. Either a crisis or something like you said, Joel, is going to come up and those doubts are going to rise to the surface. Or you're going to go to university and you're going to have a professor that tells you you're an idiot if you believe in Christianity and those doubts are going to get rise to the surface, right? And then then, then that environment, they rise in that environment and you're toast because <laughs> you're only getting one side of the story, right. you know? And you're, uh, you're definitely getting, in, the, in those contexts, you're getting seeds planted. And that's not necessarily a terrible thing that, to protect yourself from. 
Um, but a lot of Christians aren't aware that that's going on even. Uh, a lot of Christians don't – they either don't live as though they're in, actually in a war oh, with uh, entities that are doing battle for your soul. Or they do accept that and their response is to, to hide away, hide their children away from as many worldly influences as possible. And and that can have that that can have that strategy can have negative effects as well. Um, but what I see I think the most with Christians is that um, in different contexts, a lot of times they have trouble uh, I think we, we do have some trouble sometimes distinguishing denial from faith. Uh, that sometimes they're mixed in together. And there's genuine faith and there's some denial mixed in with it. And unfortunately, that um, that plays into there being denial that there is any doubt. Like, there's doubt that gets kind of hidden from consciousness. And so it's kind of this, I sometimes think of it as a kind of a ticking time bomb. It's, these doubts are on the shelf, but I'm okay. I'm doing okay. My life is good. My relationship with my church feels good. And so I don't need to deal with those because yeah. God has them in it in his hand but there's not really there's not the recognition that these are uh, potentially things that they're going to struggle with and they should probably already be having a conversation with God and with other people about them yeah but so well, that's not necessary because I'm okay yeah yeah that's well, good what about when you're not okay yeah because that that can happen probably will happen at some point yeah it brings up a great I'm glad that the conversation kind of has gone this route. Like it, it brings up a really good point that we got to learn how to doubt well. Yeah. And I don't yeah. feel like the church in general has, has done that, you know, and, and I'm saying this as a pastor, as a theologian, as a Christian apologist, you know, um, but we got, and, and we got like, we got to remember, right. You brought it up. It's a spiritual battle, right? So, so our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the, this darkness, dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? We got to remember that the devil is uh, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to deserve to devour. Uh, Paul says that the that we should be living circumspectly because the days are evil, is what he's is is what he tells us. And and sometimes we don't live according to that reality. It's really easy not to, to be honest with you, because right. I have a really good life, man. I have an amazing wife. I've got awesome kids. Um, I make I make uh, enough money to provide and to 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 live in Southern California. Even we go to the beach and you know I have a swimming pool now. And I mean, like I have like luxuries that ninety nine percent of the world doesn't have. So it's easy for me to lose sight of the fact that we live in a, a world that is uh, we, we there's an unseen realm, in other words. And um, and when we lose sight of that, oftentimes we we stop training. You know we. Yep. We stop doing the heavy lifting, and then all of a sudden, an instance or circumstances pops up, and those realities become a reality, <laughs> and uh, we're not equipped, you know. Um, or you just get tired, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Christianity is is uh, is hard, you know. It, it's hard, especially like when I'm looking at some of these young guys, you know, young men, super popular uh, on the internet. Um, the Christian lifestyle in, in L.A. isn't necessarily you know, a, a beacon of popularity, right. you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that that's why these guys left their, left their faith. I'm not, 
but there are a common there is, is common thread through them all that I'm, I'm not all of them but a lot of them uh, it either starts with hypocrisy mm-hmm. they see hypocrisy within the church or they que- start questioning the reliability of the Bible mm-hmm. and it's clear to me that these guys most of them men and women these people um, were never led uh, into their doubts they were kind of told yeah no no don't worry about that yeah don't worry about that well they, they get attached to to certain people too i, I mean i imagine um you, you're following someone or your pastor and then your pastor comes out and says well the last 20 years i haven't really believed <laughs> see you guys later and uh you know that's going to shake someone's core beliefs of what what do i believe do i believe what he believes am i going to end up like him maybe i should just go away and the other or what does he know that i don't know mm-hmm. right Right. You know, who's right. pulling the wool over my eyes that, you know, he's, he's seeing, you know, that's what that, that's another reason why this conversation I think matters because you got these people that you respect. Um, that author, he, you just listened to that podcast. Uh, what's Joshua his, Harris, Joshua Harris, big time author, kiss, dating goodbye, pastor doing marriage or, or retreats and yep. stuff like, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he walks away. What's he know? What does this guy who wrote this book, who believed in all these things, what does he know that I don't know? And like, what should I know now? You know, these are like important questions. And if you're not in a community, this is, I think, a principle of doubting well. If if you, uh, I would say, okay, so the principle would be doubt out loud, doubt out loud. So get yourself in a, in a tight group of people that you trust. And talk about your concerns because know what? If you have the concern, I guarantee you one of your other friends has the concern. You know, nothing new under the sun, gentlemen. I mean, in all of these things that I hear everybody here saying, these are questions that have been asked for 2,000 years. And like I said, they're really good questions, but there's really good answers. So you got to do that in this sense of community. Um, hey, we have a call. Should we take it? Yeah. I think we should. I, I definitely think we've got Richard on line one. Hey, Richard, are you with us? Yeah, along the same lines of what you guys are talking about, I had that same burden. How do you get Christians not to, as you say, deconstruct, as I say, not drift away from the faith, you know? Yeah. And so I started uh, listening to a lot of sermon and doing a lot of studying of what all the benefits are to staying with God, you know, fulfillment and all that. And and how do we get a, a newborn Christian to get to the stage of fulfillment as fast as possible so that he doesn't drift away, because I really believe it's that middle part where, you know, you start to grow, grow, then the struggles of life, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of them drift away. You know, so I've been uh, compiling all these benefits and, and ways, and then there was this sermon that came and told the other side of the coin, and that is, hey, you, you know, you, you're not supposed to follow God for the benefits. Uh, you're supposed to uh, stay with Jesus just to honor him, to honor God, you know? And so that kind of blew all that other stuff out of the water, you know? So now I'm in the middle. How do you get a Christian, you know, to the fulfillment and the benefits, but then not, uh, as that other pastor said, you, you know, don't follow God. You're supposed to follow sure. God to honor him. What say you? Yeah, that's a great question, Richard. Thanks for calling us, man. Um, I'm going to keep you on the line, so maybe we can talk a little bit. But uh, so it, it's kind of this uh, this the you don't want to be a Christian because for utilitarian purposes, right. right? Like what it can get us, because eventually you will hit a wall where uh, Christian begin uh, becoming being a Christian is is actually costly. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's not actually getting you. It's not benefiting. I mean, ask ask the apostles, the disciples, the original disciples, uh, how being a Christian benefited them. It did, but in in the same way, then this is this is the answer to the question: is the way that I approach, I would approach this is is what is true, because I think no matter where we are in the in the we're um, in our worldview perspective, no matter what worldview you hold to, you want to believe what's true. And if it's not true, I don't want to believe it. So when we couch it in terms of truth, not what it can get us, or not even hold the belief so that we honor God, because maybe they're not even there yet, you know, uh, the beginning of discipleship is evangelism. So before you can become a disciple of Christ, you got to get to to know that Christ is who he says he is. So the way that I enter that conversation with people, and I put a heavy emphasis, even now in my teachings, is, is, is always truth. What is true? And I, and I draw the distinction. I say, I, like, or I just say clearly, if, if this, what I believe, isn't true, I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it for one more minute because I spend an awful lot of time every Sunday. I spend, if I'm preaching at my church, I'm spending hours during the week. I've spent a lot of time doing something that's just not. And, and not only that, but Paul says that if, if, uh, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, uh, we're to be pitied. Above all men is what he says. He says we're still dead in our sins and trespasses is what he says. You know, so so we don't want to believe something that's not true. So then the question comes, what is true? What's true? Because if, if, if Jesus is who he says he is, truly, that has uh, uh, remarkable implications, not just on my life, but on everybody's life around me, the wor- on the world, right? So that's where I go. Do you guys have any? That's that's where I would go too. I think that you you have to establish the truth and, and of who of who Christ is, and then you can come back and say, well, Christ said we 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 need to do these things, we need to believe these things, or we should believe in these things. At least you've got some basis for that. I, I like what you said earlier, though, um, and, and that's where I was thinking when you were talking was uh, you, you got to go somewhere. If you're if you're if you're walking away from from Christianity, you're going somewhere else. So yeah. what is it that's driving that? that that change because you're going to believe something else so what is it you believe now let's talk about yeah. that let's figure out where that's coming from and how does that fit into the christian worldview maybe we're, maybe there's something that we're missing yeah. here joel do you have anything to add um yeah just that uh I, I i think that's a big part of it is what um it's there's there's always i think there's always a carrot and stick aspect to these things so the the what is the negative that's driving you that's that you're having a problem with and what what alternative is enticing you and why does that why does that seem better mm. when you were talking about school i was thinking you know i can either get an a in this class you know, i can i can denounce my religion get an a in the class and get the girl and graduate with honors or i can <laughs> get an f in the class you know lose the girl and follow this really hard religion that's 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 difficult you know and, and makes life harder yeah but, yeah, I mean, there's a there's an obvious choice, which way is easier? Yeah, and which way is you know, which way is going to benefit in the short term? Which way is going to benefit in the long term? So there's a though that that definitely shows the downside of uh, pursuing a faith from a utilitarian perspective. Right. What does look at the benefits? There there are enriched. I just want to be really clear. Like there are like amazing benefits to being a Christian. <laughs> I mean, yeah. start starting with starting with eternal life in glory. I mean, and then all the way down. But at the same time, uh, I, I mean, if you're concerning yourself with discipleship, you've been a Christian at least for a little bit, and so you have a heart for people, 
and you know full well that being a Christian uh, is sometimes extremely hard, you know. Yeah. So, so and and then also, both sides. what's that, bud? You got. I guess you got to give both sides of the. You know. The, Talk about the hardships and talk about the fulfillment, I guess. That's right. And, well, because it's life, right? So so an authentic life, uh, this side of heaven, is uh, is filled with uh, with disappointments and joys. Uh, and, and every day has them both. You know, and and just because we believe, I think it's, uh, I had this, this myth in my mind that uh, before I was a Christian, I remember as I was, you know, becoming a Christian, I was a new Christian, I was on fire. Um, God had gotten a hold of me, so I was a Christian. But I remember thinking, you know what? All these issues are just going to melt away now. I mean, I'm not going to deal with some. I'm not going to have to deal with certain sins, you know. And then, then reality sets in. Like, oh my gosh, like I still do have to deal with certain sins. I mean, some things got better. Um, you know, I had a better, I, I would say, a better handle on what my relationship with my then girlfriend's now wife looks like. Right? I. I that that relationship actually got way better for me um, after becoming a Christian. But I had a major issues as far as sin goes in my life. I mean, uh, that that when you become a Christian, man, the Holy Spirit starts convicting you left and right of, of everything. So if we start saying, well, look at all the benefits of Christianity, I think Christians would like, especially baby Christians are going to be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm hurting. You know, um, but then also, if you just if you start talking about, you know, well, we seek to honor God, it's not what 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 we get. It's what we bring to God. I mean, there are days when I'm spiritually dry, man. And I feel like uh, I mean, prayer for me, sometimes I'm a prayer in general, like I love to pray, but like uh, that's practice. And it wasn't always like that. And there's some days still where I, I, you know, I I have to force myself to talk to God Um, and and I'm always disappointing him. I mean, uh, what, what eventually brought you back? Well, I never, I didn't stray. So I was an atheist for a really long time. Um, oh. th- that would be a good question to ask Joel. Cause Joel, you did stray. <laughs> what brought you back? Um, I think I, there were several ways. I think that the Holy spirit uh, worked on me over time. Um, I think partly it was just, and God being very patient with me. Um, <laughs> but also that I, I had experienced the Holy Spirit, and so um, I had a hard time. I don't think I ever could have been an atheist after that, but I, um, for me, being kind of an agnostic meant that I, I can't be. I don't feel like I can be certain what this experience actually meant. Um, but I did. Interestingly, I did uh, for a time attend some services at these uh, kind of uh, unorthodox places like the Unitarian Universalist Church and yeah, yeah. the Unity Church. And one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is that um, I don't sense the Holy Spirit here. Mm. And if the Holy oh. Spirit is universal in the way that they're describing it, why don't I feel him here? And so that is something that I think is, you know, if you want to talk about the truth side of that, the truth angle is that um generally outside of Christianity, there's not a belief in a holy God, not in the same sense. Holy right. gets yeah. redefined into something else. But if you experience the Holy Spirit, there's a reason that the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. There's the the holiness of God is encountered through him. And you may not be able to know 
how to uh, put it into words, but nothing is quite like that. Yeah. And and it can't really be separated from the cross, the meaning of the cross. So to me that was significant is that how come how come this holy spirit is only hmm. can only find this holy spirit around the cross. And when you get into like that orthodox sense of what does the cro- cross represent? What is God doing? God is dealing with sin. And this is what the holy spirit is uh testifying to. So I I think I've told you that over time like my wife kind of coming back to faith and playing all this worship music yeah. around and my you know, I wouldn't have quite put it into the these words at the time, but my spirit is responding. Yeah. My my uh my renewed spirit man yeah. is like is bringing up the joy and that at the same time was bringing up the disappointments <laughs> that I didn't want to feel anymore. Yeah. Um like I don't I don't want to deal with this, but there's something that uh there's something that was getting stirred up and from the truth angle, also just um, thinking about, you know, even as an agnostic, I was thinking a lot about intelligent design. And so from the truth angle, that was kind of opening me up to really thinking about, is there evidence of purpose? Because if you think about the world having a purpose, um, then there, there must be some, how, how can we access what that purpose is? Yeah. So. God does, just as the enemy attacks us on both sides, the head and the heart side, God also restores yeah. through both sides. That's like, that's so good. Hey, Richard, um, we're going to finish up the show. So I'm going to yeah. let you go, but but thank you so thank much you for guys. calling that in. That was eye-opening. Yeah, that was eye-opening. Thank Great. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, you have something to say, Eric. Yes. Oh, uh, so I was just going to say, um, it's it's not really that we want to convince somebody that they're doing the wrong thing or we convince them that this is the right, you know, that, that Christianity is the right thing for them. What we want to do is we want to um, get them back in a line, but get them that connect, help them establish, reestablish that connection with the Holy Spirit or, or with God. Um, and we really want to get, we want to get personal with them. We want to understand what's going on with them. We want to um, help them figure out what what's changed what's gone wrong and and help them get back to where they're they're going but it's not a five point checklist of of here are the five reasons you should you should be a christian right that's like um another really great point i wish we had another hour to talk about this but the the one of the major objections that i think carries with with it weight that the non-believers bring is to to, to us is the hiddenness of god and cuz god always isn't uh, doesn't show himself the way that oftentimes we'd like him to, right? And um, Joel, I like that your experience, which you explained it, is there was a subjective component, an experiential component with the Holy Spirit. But then you also, it was undergirded by an objective experience where it's it's couched in, in you know, like the, the telos, right? Teleo- teleological argument or um, meaning and purpose and destiny and then uh, the grandeur of the universe and all this stuff. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, and I, I think, I mean, what am I trying to say? Oh, with two minutes left, man, I, I just totally lost my thought. That's such it, a bummer. It'll come back to you. No, it won't. <laughs> well, I would, I'd say that the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and the Holy Spirit does yeah. testify, 
testify to things. But like here's here's one of my issues, and we only got two minutes. <laughs> but, like one of my issues with that though is that like for example the Rhett and Link guy, Link. If you uh, listen to him, what, one of the major things with him is that he he experienced the Holy Spirit in a worship service. He gave his life to Christ, and then like two years later, he went to a, a concert and he experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then he really he realized, according to him. That experience has, has less to do with the existence of a God and more to do with how you're you're interacting with the world around you. I'm not saying he denies as a mm-hmm. spiritual component, but it's certainly not what we would explain as a spiritual component. But um, yeah, I, I think, man, there's just there's like there's just so much to say here about these guys. I think the the most important principle that for me to take away is is kind of getting back to where we started is that um, these are real people with real mm-hmm. struggles. And uh, when and when we're dealing with them, uh, one famous apologist said this way: He says, "Behind every question is a questioner." Mm-hmm. And I and I think that that's uh, th- that that needs to be the guiding principle as we're answering these folks. And as as a community of believers, we have to be a little bit more welcoming of people expressing their doubts, helping them doubt well, feeding uh, feeding our faith, not feeding the doubts. Right. So that's a principle that I've learned over the over the years. Right. You feed your faith, not your doubts. You don't run from your doubts, but when you have doubts, you, you you research them and you say, "Are these well founded?" And then you 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 dive into the answers and then you figure out do they hold water? And then your views morph and they change all the time. Find people you trust and talk to them. Find people you trust, hang out with them, talk to them. Uh, give us a call here at apologetics.com radio any week. I'd be happy to to we'd be happy to wrestle with with any questions that you might have. Um, and if you find yourself, hey, if you guys, if you're out there right now and you find yourself in this this place where you're severely doubting uh, your faith, uh, I just want to let you know you're not alone. A lot of people are right where you are. They just might not be talking about it. Find that, that group of people. Find that person, that one, two, three, or four people. Express your doubts. Or write down your questions. Give me a call uh, in two weeks. I'll be hosting. Or next week, just call Harry or Jason. And they'd love to talk to you. So anyways, uh, I'm John Noyes. This is Apologetics.com Radio. I'm with Eric and Joel in studio. And we will hear from you and you'll hear from us next week. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.